into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, everybody, what's cracking? What's going on? Welcome to the stream. Today is Wednesday. What day is it? What day is it? Hope day. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is December 6, 2023. Welcome to episode number 509 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Q-Dip, Tom Bishop, Sentfulis, Sebasad, Seabright, Kenyon Ezo, Leon Elliott, Alana, Nathan Peaster coming in hot with the new gig. Lazaro in the middle of interviews. Mr. Greenreed, Roberto, Billy DP, Damon, Philip Martin, the whole crew yeeting up in here. <laughs> My man, Marcus Kyler, folks over on LinkedIn, folks over on YouTube, and hopefully a ton of first timers coming over from Advent of Cyber. You, 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 and me, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories, telling you what you can do with that information operationally to help drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders. And if you are looking to break into the industry, don't think that there isn't a spot for you at the table. You're going to get massive value from the stream. A, we're going to be talking about the things that you need to know. B, you'll be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current? This is the answer. Three, you'll get exposed to threat actors, techniques, the kind of the ebb and flow of our industry. And four, maybe most importantly, you see this streaming chat over here with Marcus Kyler, Carrie, Leon, Miss Julian, Sanju, Chris Cahill, Bjorn. This is the Simply Cyber community. Get in here. We make the circle wider as it needs to be for newcomers. The networking is chef's kiss good. Get in here, settle in. It's going to be a good show. Just as a reminder, I do not prepare as outrageous and as silly as it sounds. I don't prep or research any of the stories. I literally don't even know what stories are coming up. You're getting my honest initial thoughts and feedback. I've been in the industry a very long time. I've done many of the jobs. I have a thoughts and opinions on all of these. So it's going to be a good time. We got a good show for you. If you're coming over from Advent of Cyber, holla. Glad you enjoyed day five. Hope you uh, enjoy the daily cyber threat briefing. Now, before we get into it, let me give a shout out to the stream sponsors. Hi, Raniel Isaac, starting with my boy, Brandon Poole and his crew over at Panopsi Security. Panopsi, listen, y'all, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. If you're thinking left of boom, if you're responsible for building an InfoSec program, if you're trying to roll out tabletop exercises in a way that doesn't suck at your business, and by suck, I mean it's not effective. If you're looking for cyber risk reducing, effective process improving tabletop exercises, look no further than Panopsi.com. Brand and his team, they know exactly what to do and fold into your business in a way that makes sense. Basically, they're consultants. They come in, they help you, they leave, and you get all the benefit and value. Um, links in the description below, Panopsi. Also, Anti-Siphon Training. Welcome everybody to Anti-Siphon Training, who is doing Snake Oil Summit today. Um, it's just coincidence that it is today. So if you're not uh, busy um, and you want to get some extra value from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. today, you can see it right here. Snake Oil Summit. Don't sleep on this. Virtual security conference. Wicked dope. TJ Zimmer with the super uh, squad memberships. We just become best friends. Yep. If you are Pepe Espinosa or Jordan Turney or Arturo Ovales or John Bruno, 
Shout out and thanks to TJ Zimmer because he just hooked you up with a squad membership. Let's get the Oprah emotes flowing. Definitely take advantage of those squad memberships. And thank you, TJ, for the stream's support. Um, guys, anti-siphon training, what more is there to say? They're disrupting the industry by making cyber education super affordable and accessible to everybody. I love it. I love it. I love it. Go check them out. Links in the description below. Uh, Snake Oil Summit today is what you should focus on. But in the bigger picture, you can go to training, pay what you can training. And this is a list of all the trainings you can do for absolutely zero dollars. So don't let money stop you from getting educated, skilling up and crushing it in information security. All right, guys. Now, listen, before we get into it, if you are live here, like the 226 of you gorgeous people, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. What's up, Abdullah? Good to see you. Wow. All right. Hey, you don't have to spam chat, though, Abdullah. Hey, just so you know, Abdullah, I'm, it's pumped, I'm pumped to see you. But if you spam chat, you will get put in timeout. All right, my friend? I don't want anyone in timeout. I want everybody to be in the game. All right, hey, so listen. If you are live right now or on replay, each episode of the uh, Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth one half of a CPE. So if you have a cybersecurity certification, uh, CPEs are something you need. Half a CPE. Say what's up in chat. Take a screenshot. File it away. When it comes time to file your CPE, CPEs, do it in bulk. 30, 50, 60 CPEs. Just there you go. Archive up your uh, screenshots. Push them over. If you're live and you're looking for something to say, yeah, Jonathan Lindsay, why not? This is I'm I am absolutely uh, qualified to lead a webinar, and that's what we're in right now. If you want, you can sign up and put your email address into a Zoom thing, and we could do it that way. But this is this this qualifies as cybersecurity education. I'm not just up here screaming at my monitor. I am uh, educating as well. So half a CPE. If you're live in chat, hashtag Team Live in chat. Uh, we've got 255. We should get up to about 450 today. Uh, that's what I'm expecting. So hashtag Team Live in chat. If you're watching on replay, welcome to the party. Hashtag Team Replay in chat. Love myself some replay people. And then finally, if you are. If it's your first time on the stream, by the way, shout out to Doom on the wallpaper. Uh, like the advent of cybers got me kicking it old school, so I wanted to do that. If this is your first episode of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, either you're checking us out, somebody told you, you stumbled in here, you accidentally clicked on the wrong link, whatever your uh, reason is for being here, first of all, thanks for being here. Second of all, I hope you get value and have a great time during the show. And three, let us know that you're here by doing hashtag first timer, hashtag first timer in chat, we have a special emote and a special sound effect just for you, our first timers. So holler at us and let us know that it's your first time on the stream. All right, guys, um, you picked a good day, first timers, because Wednesday is Worldwide Wednesday. Every single day of the week has a special segment, and Wednesdays is a wild one. We're going to go around the world and demonstrate how powerful and how impactful the Simply Cyber community is. I freaking love it. All right. So check it out. Before we get into it, Worldwide Wednesday is presented by IT Pro, by IT Pro uh, TV, now IT Pro from ACI Learning. The international. Oh, yeah, you can hear it. The international online training solution that professionals in audit, cybersecurity, and IT turn to for binge-worthy content. Use my code, SimplyCyber30, at checkout on IT Pro AC, uh, from ACI Learning and get 30% off your first month or your first year. Grab up those deals. Now check it out, y'all. Deepash. Deepash, first-timer. Welcome to the party, pal. All right, guys, here we go. Welcome to the party, pal. Here's how we do it. You tell me where you are. I mark the calendar. Two minutes is the timer, and we see if we can go around the world. Mods, get ready, because this turns into a hot mess express quickly. Here we go. Two minutes on the clock. Go. I saw Bangalore, India. Kerry brought on Texas. Lexington, Kentucky. What's up, Turkey? I see you bringing us online. Middle East. Colombia. Andres Molina bringing South America on early. What's up, Laura Flores in South Florida? Hey, Illinois. Good to see you. The UP represent Michigan in the uh, college championship. Love it. Hey, Poland. Good to see you. 
Ghana's bringing Africa on. Damn it. You'll have to give me some insight into where Ghana is. I can't find it right now. Damn it. All right. Uh, hello from Ghana. General Blankex. I need to know where Ghana is. Massachusetts. Good to see you. Ghana Midi. That's a country I've never heard of. I see you, India. We got you on the screen. Tennessee's in the house. Iowa's up in here. Big, big time. Italy. I see you, Italy. Hey, Philippines. Thanks for bringing the Pacific Rim online. Good to see you. All right. Nigeria. Uh, coming in hot. Nigeria, the official. Uh, Ghana's on the left side. We got Nigeria, West Africa. I'm sorry, I don't know. Oh, okay. All right, we got Ghana. Nailed it. Thank you. Ethiopia. I got you, Ethiopia. We got mad African representation. Afghanistan. Yes, sir. Love it. Hey, Japan. Good to see you. Love what you guys are doing. Dallas, Ohio, Canada. Bring it on the Maple Leaf country. Team live in the house. Colombia, Belgium. Love your beers. Love your beers. All right, Belgium. Indiana's up in here. Nigeria. I got Nigeria. Uh, Robert Cooper. I see you. All right. Everybody's helping me out. Germany's in the house. Big financial powerhouse. Hungary, Canada. All right, guys. So really quickly, looks like we got, uh, did we do this? Where's Australia? Bro, hold on. Do we have an Australia? Zimbabwe. I'm doing a little bit of cleanup here. Zimbabwe. We always got strong Africa. I want to say what's up to all the African uh, members in, in chat. You guys always come correct. Uh, I got Ghana, like chat's just like mad at me uh, because of that. Hungary, Hungary, we got Hungary in the house. Strong Europe, strong North America. Uh, Andres, thank you for South America. South America is always the long pole in the tent. China's coming in hot. Um, Very nice. We got strong Africa. Um, It looks like Australia, New Zealand's not here. Do we have an Alex Goodwin? Do we have an internal stranger? Bangladesh is in the house. Do we have... Where's Nepal? Oh, Bangladesh. There we go. Do we have? No, no, Australia. Hmm. All right. UK's bringing London in and a first timer, Charlotte Gurry. All right. I love it. Hey, guys, looks like we did not get around the world. Um, I'm not going to throw shade at Australia and New Zealand. It is the middle of the night there, but I'm also at the same time going to say, come on, man. You know? All right, guys. Hey, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, but now it's time to get to work, right? It's always a balance of work and play. Um, do me a favor, sit back, relax, get your coffee, get ready, and let's let the cool sounds Percy! of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I'll see you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. I'm Sean Kelly. Spyware trial implicating former Mexican president kicks off. On Monday, the far-reaching Pegasus spyware scandal in Mexico went to court. Prosecutors are expected to focus on how the spyware was used to surveil potentially thousands of victims across multiple Mexican presidential administrations. The key prosecution witness told the court Monday that former Mexican president Peña Nieto and his staff ordered the targeting of journalist Carmen Aristegui after she reported on alleged corruption within Nieto's administration. Aristegui will be the first witness in what is anticipated to be a months-long trial. A staffer at a subsidiary of Mexican Pegasus supplier KBH Business Group has already been arrested in connection with the monitoring and could face 16 years in prison. All right, so a lot to unpack here. From a day-to-day operations of information security, nothing here. Uh, This is bigger macro pictures. So Pegasus software, many of us know, this is probably the most like elite next level piece of spyware, spyware being a faction or you know a niche of malware that's designed to be quiet, hide, uh, kind of espionage but it's basically to spy, as it's named, on individuals. Uh, Pegasus is, as far as I can tell, far and away the most uh, advanced, polished, sophisticated, whatever you want to say, a piece of spyware. It's developed by NSO Group. Now, NSO, a lot of people, when they hear this, are like, how is this even legal? 
NSO group says they only sell it to law enforcement and governments that have justification uh, to show that they need it. But if I may uh, point out one key fact. Straight cash, homie. That's right, Randy. Straight cash, homie. Um, you know, they're a for-profit company. They sell a tool that is like, you know, a million dollars an install. And guess what? Money talks. So this right here is an instance where there is a major court case going on in Mexico, which, you know, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not an expert on Mexican um, politics, but they're with the, the cartels and the gangs and, you know, different things. There has been corruption. There has been extortion. There has been racketeering going on in Mexico. Uh, so, you know, people in power tend to like to stay in power. It's not surprising that Pegasus, right? This is the problem with it. Pegasus has been... Um, under scrutiny for being used in ways that it's not designed, i.e. it's used to um, spy on investigative journalists like it is in this way. 504, getting a gateway timeout from Glum Hippo. Thanks, Glum Hippo. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Love it. Um, so I, a couple things here. One, to me, this is a really interesting insight into perhaps, um, what's the word? Uh, like not changes, but like a uh, sweeping changes in Mexico that this would even go to court. I feel like 20 years ago, like anyone involved with this just disappears and that's the end of it. And uh, uh, business continues on. This is getting um, a lot of focus. Obviously, part investigative journalists is one target. Also, um, adversaries, right? So like if I'm running for president of Mexico and Divine Dream Divine is running for president of Mexico... I want to get Pegasus on Divine Dream Divine's phone and on uh, her campaign manager's phone and get as much information as I can to uh, discredit, destroy, ruin her chances of becoming the president, right? So that's what's up with this. Uh, it will be interesting to see where this goes and what happens with it. Um, the final thing I'll say is most of us don't have to worry about Pegasus because it is expensive. It's like, think of it as like a million dollar bullet, right? Do you have to worry about getting shot if the bullets are a million dollars a piece? Probably not. I mean, honestly, I'm like nobody. Nobody's going to spend a million dollars to shoot me. But if you are like a high-ranking VIP or some type of executive at a business, perhaps you are worth that investment, right? So if you're helping protect or secure those type of people, be mindful of this. The, the damaging thing with Pegasus is that it's like you get, you can't stop anyone from texting you, right? The way it gets on your phone is they send a specially crafted text message. And basically it, it starts the uh, exploitation and initialization of pulling down malware. You don't really have the ability to stop an inbound text message. Apple has since recently released a way to harden your phone, but it's believed that that hardening kind of makes the phone less usable, which if you're thinking about who the key people are that would be targeted, executives, uh, high-ranking political officials. They're the ones who are using Apple products, and they're the ones who are not going to want to be bothered with friction. I like my it's you know, it's my phone, and I like it the way I like to use it. So uh, unfortunately, you've got kind of a conflict there between uh, a targeted group and not wanting to secure their devices. So uh, this is interesting. Continue to uh, look on it. Also, really quickly, it's important to note, there are real consequences. So you don't buy it directly from NSO Group. You buy it from Avar, which is a vendor ad reseller, which basically doesn't add any value. They, they just mark it up 8% and sell it to you. But the company that sold Pegasus to Mexico, they're um, screwed. And like the people in charge are doing 16 years in jail, I think it said. So that's kind of wild. Um, I don't know if the United States did this to the German chancellor, but there's been multiple instances. Other instances I know of for a fact, um, in the Catalina region uh, in Spain, there was a Spanish president or something who put it on the Catalina candidate and not the Catalina wine mixer. So please, uh, prestige worldwide, uh, pump the brakes. We're not ready for that. Did we just become best friends? Yep. But the Catalina uh, uh, faction uh, in Spain, I know that got installed. So there are case studies out there of Pegasus getting uh, put on people's devices. Also, fun fact, in case you're wondering, um, Apple can tell 
Apple, the company, can tell when a phone has been infected with Pegasus. And in some instances, it was reported in the news like maybe a month ago, Apple had reached out to certain individuals to advise them that their phone was demonstrating that it had been compromised by Pegasus. Uh, so, you know, th there is that. It's not completely invisible. Federal agency breached through cold fusion vulnerability. Oh, my God. On Tuesday, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency confirmed that an unnamed federal agency was compromised by hackers in June and July using a vulnerability in Adobe's rapid web application development tool, Cold Fusion. The agency was running outdated Cold Fusion software, and CISA had ordered all federal agencies to patch it by April 5th. CISA's log analysis shows that hackers inserted malware mainly for reconnaissance purposes. However, the hackers did also attempt to exfiltrate data but were unsuccessful because the activity was detected and quarantined. Oh my god. Like, hey, call out the shade. What, did these guys update from Microsoft front page to Cold Fusion? Jesus, as BSEC said, Dreamweaver, did we, did we, did they, you know, they got the, the memo from CISA to upgrade. So they're like, hey, we need to upgrade that Dreamweaver instance to Cold Fusion. And if you don't have gray in your hair and you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm telling you, like back in the day, like, so, okay. So again, just to take it back, back in the day, like everybody could stand up a website and it was basically like static HTML pages. And there was like some tools out there like Microsoft Front Page, Cold Fusion, Dreamweaver, where you could like build your own web page. And it was like janky and, and web 1.0 and stuff like that. Uh, but it worked. And it is not the way that you build web pages or web applications in the modern times. So when I see this, I actually messaged the uh, the mods and asked them if Cold Fusion was even supported anymore. Like, I haven't heard of Cold Fusion since I did a janky internship in 1999. I'm serious. And even then it was like, you guys are using Cold... Like, I remember walking in and being like, you guys are using Cold Fusion? Like, so this is ridiculous. Um, now, it just goes to show you that even with all of the uh, federal guidance of, hey, you need to uh, update your uh, technology and move to multi-factor, the executive order around zero trust, okay, you can say and do all that, but if your freaking web application is built on cold fusion, there isn't a, uh, you can't just do this. Ah, you gotta patch it. You don't just gotta patch it. That is a architecture overhaul and I bet you anything, I bet you anything, which is ridiculous. This is somehow tied to a critical application. So I don't know what agency, they they didn't disclose the agency. Uh, I would have to imagine it was to protect the agency from further being compromised. But in reality, they're doing them a solid favor not to like expose them for being um, just ridiculous. Um, I got to tell you, I've been involved with multiple conversations in the past too, where it's like, Oh, this legislation comes down and the, the engineers look at each other and they're like, what are we going to do about the cold fusion application? And what they do is they put on a proverbial boot, they line up the can, and then they step back and then they kick it like uh, Matt Prater or Adam Vinatieri, who are football kickers, all the way down the road, all the way down the road. It's like, seriously, it's like, well, you know, I'm probably going to, I got a job offer. I'm probably going to be leaving. Not my problem. I retire in two years. Not my problem, right? Like just kicking the, I've seen so many legacy, just ugly things like this. Not my problem, which is not the right way to do it. But unfortunately, this is, you know what you're going to get from this stream? Things you don't read in textbooks. That is so, so true. Oh, come on. It is a Patriots. There are other kickers, right? Give me another kicker and I'll, 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 uh, Mason Crosby, right? There we go. All right. TLDR. If you're running cold fusion for whatever reason in your business, if you're running cold fusion, threat actors are actively exploiting CBE 2023 26360 um, for installing, it sounds like, uh, initial exploitation and dropping um, info stealers for reconnaissance. It doesn't sound like it's worse than that. But if you're running Cold Fusion, two things. One, ah, you gotta patch it. Patch it. If they even release patches, I don't know if Cold Fusion is currently supported, right? Second of all, if it's not supported, you need to um, 
figure out a way to migrate off that. One of the hardest conversations you could, just so you guys know, this is for those looking to break in, uh, listen up. This is a more you know moment. And for those of you who work in the industry, feel free to hashtag preach this one. Here's the deal. Projects that involve you migrating to new technology and retiring or sunsetting old technology are a massive pain in the Okay, that's that's a fact. And that's the reason why a lot of people stand up new tech and don't sunset the old tech because there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of like non-technical BS that's going on. Oh, we need to be able to access it for our archives. Oh, that was Johnny's project and Johnny's a VP now and Johnny doesn't want it to go away. Like there's all sorts of bull crap that goes on with it. Or it's just a pain in the A to sunset it and the new one works fine. So you just leave it there. This introduces a tax surface. And I'm sorry, but you need to work in sunsetting into your project plan. Your project of rolling out new technology should not be focused exclusively on new technology. It should be focused on the business and the technology footprint and the deprecation or sunsetting of old tech. All right. Malicious loan app downloaded 12 million times from Google Play. 18 malicious personal loan apps named SpyLoan have been downloaded more than 12 million times this year from Google Play. SpyLoan steals info, including account and device info, call logs, installed apps, calendar events, local Wi-Fi network details, contacts, location data, and text messages. ESET researchers said the app requests excessive device permissions to spy on users and harass and blackmail them and their contacts. Google has removed 17 of the malicious apps, while one is now available with a different set of permissions and functionality. Sorry, guys. I, I was doing mod chats. I forgot to change the story. All right, Do a dozen malicious apps, that's no good. Um, Jess Bishop in here for 22 months. Red tape BS in the federal government can hinder progress sometimes, 100%. Second of all, Jess Bishop, 22 months. Jess Bishop, everybody, uh, let me introduce you to Jess Bishop. Jess Bishop is amazing. She's a SOC analyst. She's a longtime Simply Cyber community member, and she's just a wonderful person. So hello, Jess Bishop. All right, guys, so Google Play Store, um, malware can exist in the Google Play Store, all right? Just be, all right, so Android Android itself as a, you know, operating system can be, uh, have more likelihood of malware getting installed on it because you can get the Android apps, the APK files from various places, not just from the Google Play Store. But don't think that because it's in the Google Play Store, it is safe, all right? You could okay. Um, as as exampled here, there is a, a generic. So it's not called spy loan. It's just kind of like the um, the bucket of malicious apps. But there's over a dozen malicious loan apps. I would have to imagine at this point, Google has played that, uh, uh, removed them from the store. Um, you could see here. This is a loan app. Um, has no ratings. Um, ages four and up, which is kind of silly because basically why would a four-year-old, uh, need a loan? It's very difficult to tell. I mean, it does look like a legitimate app. They do the little cool, like, um, graphic where it's split across two things. This seems like a growing threat as a growing threat. You want to dude, when you, here's a, here's like a thing. Like when I look at this story, here's what I think. Okay. Okay, like we have a lot of things to worry about as practitioners, but you can't worry about all the things. So for me, I, I look at this chart right here and I'm like, okay, there's an uptick in activity. The likelihood, right? Because I'm a GRC guy. I'm always thinking likelihood and impact. The likelihood of this is increasing. So I have to be more mindful of it. My level of interest is increasing uh, commensurate with the likelihood of that. Now this spy, lo spy loan threat is targeting Mexico, India, Thailand, Indonesia, Nigeria, Philippines, Egypt, Vietnam, Singapore, Kenya, Colombia, and Peru. Now, for me, this isn't really uh, in my scope. I don't support clients or businesses that operate in these countries. But what I will say is, as demonstrated by Worldwide Wednesday, we do have India. We do have Nigeria. I see you, Nigeria. We do have the Philippines and Colombia. Andres Escobar down there in Nigeria. I mean, in Colombia. So for you, you should be mindful of this and you should. Cool. This is a great opportunity um, 
to educate your end users on the risk of these type of apps and what they do. So they purport to be helping you get a loan, right? I don't know if the best way to get a loan is through an app on your mobile phone that doesn't go through a bank. Uh, but it seems like they're actually tricking users into accepting high interest payments and then getting blackmailed for the money. So this is basically uh, loan sharking. <laughs> if I if we could throw a, uh, a, an old term onto a new technique, this is loan sharking. They give you money at ridiculously high rates and then they come break your kneecap if you don't pay. Simple. It sounds like they also steal a bunch of information off your phone in order to uh, kind of support the blackmailing piece of it. Uh, we get into a little bit of um, detail on what it steals. All right, so I'm looking at this right now. This is the source code, but the function itself, by the way, you here's a here's an I'm sorry I'm all over the place, but here's a thing you can do too. APK files, Android uh, um, executables or whatever you want to call them apps. You can easily take an APK, throw it into Android uh, Studio and disassemble it, decompile it and interpret it and see what the source code is. And that's what they've done here. So don't be shy if you're looking to do, you know, quote unquote, malware analysis. This um, application does the following. It gets all of your call records. It gets all of your contacts. It pulls your entire calendar. It pulls all your storage. It pulls all of your network data. It gets your cell phone number. It gets uh, access to your microphone and get access to your video camera. Yeah, that's what that's what you need for a loan app. And I bet you anything, it um it wraps it around saying that like, oh, if we're gonna loan you money, then uh, we need to see your face so we could take a picture since we need to uh, do that. This guy, uh, just one review says, I was willing to go through the high interest rate because I needed cash for an emergency. It took him two business days to review the app and I was expecting to receive it in minutes. The amount was 2,500. There's no option to deactivate your account. So they 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 basically uh, hook you in and then start basically screwing you over. So be careful, be careful, please be careful. Uh, I would just argue, so Jenny Housley is saying a lot of financial companies have apps now. I, I totally get that. But I guess if you're, I don't know, it just seems sussy to, you know, a couple clicks and get money through an app. You know, I don't know. Be careful. Educate your end users. Let them know that. Let them know that, you know, when you do the permissions, you're giving the permissions. Maybe go back and change the permissions and let and fix that. Yikes. Kimberly says she may have Pegasus on her phone. Uh, Kimberly, I would definitely Google what Apple says about looking at that. Also, there's a hardening of Pegasus. I mean, there's a hardening of your Apple phone, so you could do that. All right, we're way over time, so let me keep going. Apple lockdown mode bypassed by researchers. Researchers have discovered a way to subvert lockdown mode for Apple iOS. Lockdown mode was introduced last year and is designed to protect users by turning on just a small number of identifiable functions, protecting some of them within the device's kernel. On Tuesday, Jamf Threat Labs demonstrated how to subvert lockdown mode, delivering a like-for-like -like user experience while allowing cyber attacks to persist underneath the surface. Jamf said it is important to understand that lockdown mode does not detect malware, prevent data exfiltration, or stop command and control communications. The researchers say their exploit is more difficult to pull off in iOS 17 when Apple elevated lockdown mode to the kernel. All right. And they're not talking about Colonel Sanders. You're not getting 11 herbs and spices with the lockdown mode in Apple 17. All right. So we talked about Pegasus multiple times in uh, today's show. And I mentioned the lockdown mode. This is literally lockdown mode. It's supposed to help protect Pegasus from hitting you. Guess what? Jamf, a Apple-focused uh, security company, has had research that will allow you to bypass lockdown mode. Guys, every time a defender comes up with a solution to deal with an attacker's pain in the A, attackers come back over the top. This is a perfect example of the eternal cat and mouse struggle of attackers versus defenders and why we have a full-time job that will go nowhere. Um, this is not um, trivial to bypass. They also mention Apple 17 makes it harder because the lockdown mode is in the kernel. 
If you don't know, if you look at an operating system, there's kernel land and there's user land. Kernel interfaces with the hardware, which is what operating systems are doing. Users interface with applications, but applications need access to hardware resources like memory, processor, et cetera. So you go through APIs into the kernel and let the kernel execute things. You never let a user execute down into the kernel and threat actors, that's what they wanna do because the kernel can do everything. It's basically God mode. So if, if a threat actor can get down into the kernel and do stuff, then they're good to go. They said the lockdown is now uh, mode is down in the kernel, which basically means it's not an application that sits on top in user land, which is easier to circumvent. It's down into the kernel. Way to go, Apple. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, not a silver bullet, but if you have somebody like uh, Kimberly and chat, upgrade to 17 and put it in lockdown mode. I don't know if that stops an actively exploited device or not, but maybe you wipe your phone and uh, set it in lockdown and giddy up on that. All right. It is really funny. Uh, guys, I don't know the stories that are coming up. So it's hilarious that it's like, put your phone in lockdown mode. And then the next story is how to bypass it. Good call, BSEC. And now a word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Don't let ransomware ruin your holiday. Remember to visit recoverfromransomware.com. Barricade Cyber Solutions are the trusted digital forensic experts, and they've saved 3,000 businesses and counting from ransomware attacks, small and medium businesses just like yours. Barricade Cyber is your solution for rapid data and security systems recovery. Book a meeting directly with the CEO to discuss securing your future today. Visit recoverfromransomware.com. That's recoverfromransomware.com. All right, there's 451 of you today, which is pretty average, pretty pretty standard. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we got any first timers outside a couple, but if it is your first episode, hashtag first timer in chat. We do like welcoming our newcomers. Also, what we do every mid roll. All right, everybody, holla at your boy. Thank you so much all for being here. Thanks to the stream sponsors. Barricade Cyber, love it, Eric. Monopsi, love it, Brandon. Anti-Siphon Triton, love it. John Strand, let's give John Strand emote. If you don't know, this is John Strand walking through fire like a boss. Oh, all right, very cool. So hey, if you're getting value from the stream, do me a solid, hit the like button if you're on YouTube. It basically goes a long way to triggering the YouTube algorithm to letting other people find the stream. If we have first timers in chat, they may have found it because uh, you hit the like button yesterday. So appreciate it. Online Menace, welcome. Online Menace, welcome to the party, pal. Great to have you. All right, guys. Hey, newcomers and long timers. Let me tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. This is an app. Terrence Santos. Welcome to the party, pal. It's hard to hear the sound effect with the music going, but it's, you know, Breakfast Club's the Breakfast Club. What are we going to do? Michael Thomas, what's up, first-timer? Narad T, what's up, first-timer? Welcome, hey, guys, make the, make the circle wider. We got first-timers coming in hot. Uh, hey, queued up, I'll talk about attack surface later on if you want. If you guys want, I'll talk about attack surface. Um during jaw jacking. Okay, guys, first timers, listen up. Long timers, echo this. If you wanna supercharge your professional network, if you've heard me flip out about how important networking is, believe me, it's incredibly valuable. This is a hack that we have implemented that is absolutely effective. Go on LinkedIn and search for this hashtag. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Every single day, one person in the community gets the baton and they go post their story. Yesterday was Carrie Chison. Today is going to be Divine Dream Divine. Carrie's already on top of it and already tagged somebody. Go on and look, use this hashtag and look for the post, okay? Connect with the person who posted, comment on their post, Connect with the people in comments. You're gonna add like 10, 10 connections right there. But because you commented, the next person's gonna come in and connect with you. So passively, you're gonna build your network. Five minutes a day, 
for two weeks, I guarantee you, grow your network by hundreds, right? Now, what are you going to do with 100 plus people in your network? They are going to be posting on LinkedIn valuable, supportive, interesting cybersecurity content, resources, labs, training, opportunities. You're going to see it all. You're going to engage. They're going to see all your posts. They're going to engage. You're going to be part of the community. It's going to be all yours, and it's going to be freaking awesome. Believe me when I tell you this is valuable. If you don't want to do it, that's on you. But if you do want to do it, actually, if you don't want to do it, you do you, boo. A lot of people like the you do you, boo on my uh, Advent of Cyber video. But trust me, this is totally worth your time, all right? Now, we already did Worldwide Wednesday, so we don't have a mid-roll thing. But uh, yeah, so good timers, first timers, giddy up on that. Since we have a hot minute, let me just show you. I'm gonna go on LinkedIn, right? I'm gonna search for hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge really quickly. I wanna show you how easy this is. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I'm clicking on posts at the top. Right? Sort by latest all right and check it out jonathan white thomas marquette look thomas marquette right here he posted the other day his simply cyber community challenge post look at this boom here is thomas marquette's story it's amazing and then look jenny uh commented you could connect with jenny sean gilfian i'm not connected with sean so the first thing i'm going to do right here boom 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 and then say jerry from simply cyber and boom just like that i've grown my network it's easy as that you just have to take the time and energy if you want it go get it that's all we're doing here let's keep going nft collections at risk from open source library flaw on Tuesday, ThirdWeb warned of a vulnerability in an open source library that is common across its Web3 development platform. The flaw impacts the security of pre-built smart contracts used across multiple NFT collections, including Coinbase. ThirdWeb became aware of the flaw on November 20th and pushed remediation two days later without revealing the name of the library or vulnerability details to prevent tipping off attackers. ThirdWeb say they notified maintainers of the vulnerable library and other affected protocols and organizations. ThirdWeb advised users to lock vulnerable contracts, take a snapshot, and migrate them to new contracts created with a non-vulnerable version of the library. ThirdWeb has not detected the vulnerability being leveraged in attacks, and Coinbase also confirmed its platform and funds have not been affected by this issue. All right. Uh, so a couple things here. A couple of things here. I see a couple of things to celebrate really quickly. Oh, with the cyber already. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to... Oh, did I miss a super chat? Hold on one second. Oh, uh, Mia W with the super chat. I appreciate being around such intelligent and welcoming group of cyber specialists. Thank you, Jerry and crew. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Mia, so much for the super chat. And chat, thank you for letting me know that I missed that. I genuinely appreciate that. And I appreciate the support, Mia. Uh, very kind to have you here on the regular in chat. Um, I also want to say really quickly, Stephen Mount started a new cyber job. Can we just for a minute? I came in like a yes, yes, Stephen Mount. Congratulations, my friend. Super pumped for you. Just remember, there's a video on the channel on how to destroy your first 90 days. Congratulations. Straight crushing it, homie. All right, guys, really quickly. Um, I don't know if anyone cares. Do you remember when NFTs were a thing for a minute? Um, apparently, you know, NFTs are based on software. Uh, software is written by humans. Humans make mistakes, i.e., if you follow the logic, NFT collection software will have mistakes. Um, Coinbase has NFT collections. Coinbase has said they're fine. Um, it'll be interesting to see if there's any type of uh, impact from this. Um, honestly, most NFTs are worth dirt now. Um, if I, if I may share, and if you join my, um, my cyber one-on-one class, I go into deeper story about this, but just, uh, um, is this it? 
Yeah, here, here we go. Hey, Faraz Azari with the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Love how the channel is growing. Just a few months. We are around two to 300. Now we're at 440. Heck yeah. Congratulations. Guys, really quickly, you might see this right here. Owned by Gerald Dozier, right here. I own this NFT. Bought it for like 200 bucks. I think it's worth 99 cents right now. Uh, I only share that um, basically to point out that like, is it even worth my time to steal NFTs if I'm a threat actor since they're worth uh, like basically you buy them by the bundle um, at this point, dude, it's like, you know, this show storage wars where they open up the storage container and people are bidding on like abandoned storage containers. There's like a milk crate of NFTs right in the front. And like the storage wars, people are like looking past it. They're like, uh, they got some, a bag of clothes. They got a milk crate of NFTs. They got some matchbox cars. Ooh, there's some comic books in the back. That's where NFTs have fallen to at this point. F NFTs. That's what the F stands for. Okay. Sorry, Kennedy tried to make that an adult joke. Um, Anyways, if you are involved, if you're a big tech company, if you are working in fintech, if you are in crypto, you absolutely should take note of this and make sure that your software solutions and the ones that your developers are using are not vulnerable. Ah, you gotta patch it. At the end of the day, this is one that you basically gotta patch. That's the deal uh, with this one. That's it, that's it. Windows 10 gets three more years of security updates. The Windows 10 end of product support date is set for October 14th, 2025, and by then most people will need to upgrade their PCs to Windows 11 or transition to a Windows 365 cloud-based PC to stay secure. Microsoft announced it will offer three additional years of paid extended support updates, or ESU, for those who want or need to stay on Windows 10. Microsoft said the ESU program for Win 10 is broadly similar to the program Microsoft offered for Windows 7 a few years ago. For Windows 7, the cost of extended support increased each year to entice users to migrate off of it. The Windows 10 extended support costs have not yet been revealed by Microsoft. All right, so a couple things here. Yeah, Valentin, I feel like everybody, you know, nobody wants to admit it, right? It's it's like, um, I don't have a good metaphor that's like socially acceptable for 8 a.m. in the morning, but like, I feel like everybody's kind of, dabbled in crypto or nfts and then it's just like shamed by it. like just like oh oh i can't believe i did that last night like oh brah so you know hey hey it's all right for me i like to think of it as i paid um a couple hundred bucks to learn a really interesting lesson about the nft crypto market um when here's the deal with this the cool thing is Windows 10 is an end user operating system. So in my mind, upgrading from Windows 10 to Windows 11 is a little bit easier than upgrading from like server 2008 R2 to server 2016, which has like schema changes and all this other crap. Um, somebody in chat, if you work in uh, IT, all right, and if you've been a longtime member of the community, you know that I kind of like... <laughs> I came up through IT, but like I do throw shade at IT. Um, is 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 migrating from Windows 10 to 11 um, not that big a deal, or it is is it a big deal? Now, what I do want to say is Windows 10. They're telling you that you have till October 10th, uh, 14, 2025 to get off of it. I would recommend. Okay, BSEC, sorry, 2020. I, I would recommend that you get on Windows 11 sooner than later. Uh, I just checked my own operating system. I'm on Windows 11. Now, let me tell you uh, two things that I have seen in the past, okay? The, so the news story here, just so we're all clear, the news story is Windows 10 will reach end of life on October 2025. You need to upgrade to Windows 11 or whatever Windows OS that they got. Uh, it sounds like from BSEX experience, it's really just a click of the button. In my opinion, I would start working on this now. I would ask IT, bro, when are you upgrading to Windows 11? If you are InfoSec slash IT, because it's a small mid-sized business, just update it and see if people complain. Um, I would also point out uh, the time between Christmas and New Year's, that you know week or two weeks, it's actually a really slow time of year in general. I know threat actors tend to attack them, but like from an IT perspective, it's a slower time of year. 
So it's a good opportunity to get caught up on some stuff. Maybe do this. That way, if there is a problem, the impact is lower um, and your ability to recover is better. Take a backup or a snapshot so you can recover if you need to. Don't worry about your executives because they're on freaking Apple computers anyways. Uh, so there's that. Now, let me let me um, let me peel back the curtain and give you some more the the more you know uh, on this one. This what I'm about to tell you is based on reality from watching Windows Seven go end of life. Okay, here is the reality. When there's a pop up that says you should upgrade, and there's in a button that you can click that says cancel or not right now, or I'll do it later, or remind me later, or f you, whatever it is. People, end users will click that. Why? Because end users are interested in getting their work done today. End users are not interested in a 45-minute update, which will impact their business, like their day-to-day their -day job. End users, end users don't care about upgrading from Windows 10 to 11. They don't know the difference, right? They're like, whatever, I don't have time for this. So... What ends up happening is they keep kicking it down the road and then it becomes October, 2025. And you're like, you've got to update. And they're like, oh, we're in the middle of a project or, oh, we've got some, you know, some ridiculous app that we built in 2024, long before this became an issue. I mean, long after this was an issue and it requires Windows 10, it's going to break, right? So what I'm telling you is you either need to force their hand, push an update, you will deal with a little bit of kerfuffle. Using the Pareto principle, which means 80-20, 20% of your end users are going to have heartburn, but 80% of them will not. That 80% of them will upgrade, which will significantly reduce your attack surface. And I'll tell you about attack surface later on in the show uh, during jaw jacking if you want. But my point is sometimes... You know, hey, and I'm not calling end user children, but I will be in the next second. So please just take this with a grain of salt. When your kids, if you have kids, need medicine and you're like, oh, hey, you got to take some medicine. And they're like, no, I don't want medicine. It tastes gross. You don't say, all right, you're right. Let's just give you medicine later. You say, no, you're going to take the medicine or else or whatever, or just take the medicine if they're young enough, you can pretend to stick a Cheerio in their mouth and in reality, give them like a vegetable or medicine or whatever. So sometimes you've got to do what's right for the end user, even if the end user doesn't want to do it. And by the way, once you upgrade them from Windows 10 to 11 and they're sitting in Windows 11, they're not going to be like, you need to you need to roll back my operating system to Windows 10. This is ridiculous. Instead, they're going to boot up their computer. They're going to be able to use Outlook, they're going to be able to use a web browser and they're like, huh, fine, I'll use it. And in reality, you're like, no kidding, you'll use it, Carl. Like, you can use the web browser, bro. Like, you can log into your email. But I don't have to deal with your unbelievable risk that you're introducing to the organization. Rex with the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. My new printer says Windows requires, <laughs> requires Windows 8 or better. So I installed Kali, LOL. Very funny. All right, so that, that's another one of those things that you're not gonna hear in a textbook. Sometimes you gotta give your end users the medicine that they need, even if they don't want it. Um, okay, whoops. Canadian government agencies have access to phone hacking tools. Documents obtained by the CBC reveal that 13 Canadian government agencies have access to tools capable of extracting personal data from phones or computers. While it's not surprising that law enforcement and national security agencies made the list, some others are sure to raise questions. For example, Fisheries and Oceans Canada, Environment and Climate Change Canada, Canadian Radio and Telecommunications Commission, and Shared Services Canada made the list of users. Additionally, those departments' use of the tools did not undergo privacy impact assessments as required by federal government directive. Some agencies offered vague regulatory justification for their use of the phone cracking technology, while others indicated it was used for internal investigations only. One agency indicated it's planning to perform the requisite privacy impact assessment, while others say they aren't required to because using the technology was backed by a court order or warrant. Mm, okay. So this is interesting. 
as much as at least in America, we like to think of Canada as like not not risky, you know, like, you know, moose and bears and mounties and hiking and just chilling. Uh, but they are a first world power and they like to stay in power. And despite their maple syrup um, affinity, they have, you know, IRSs and transportation safety boards and national defense security and stuff like that and federal law enforcement. And they have access to phone cracking tools like Cellbrite, right? So they have access to get your phone if you're a criminal and break into it. Now, like everything else that I would point out, a lot of times the road to hell is paved in good intentions. When you have a capability that allows an individual or a group of individuals to break into a phone, for example, it may be for righteous uh, motives, but it's all in the motivation of the individual. Allow me to quickly jump back to this story about Pegasus spyware. Pegasus spyware was built very similar for the same reasons as these tools right here. We're seeing in Mexico a federal national news story of a president using it to spy on investigative journalists, exposing corruption in the highest levels of the Mexican government. Okay. So this is step one and this is like step seven. So this is where it can go. And honestly, this is where it typically goes. And this is why authoritative authoritarian states, um, you know, are difficult to upset and, and, you know, so it is funny that, you know, basically the uh, Department of Fisheries and Oceans has got Cellbrite Kraken technology. Uh, from what I've seen, if you, if you read, um, oh my God, uh, Tracers in the Dark by uh, Seth Greenberg. Here, I'll, I'll bring it up on stream. Andy Greenberg, not Seth Greenberg. I'm sorry. Andy Greenberg. Excellent reporter. This book is amazing. A uh, strong recommendation if you get it if you get a chance to read it. But he basically talks about um, he talks about um, how federal law enforcement agencies work, how they argue and bicker with each other, how they don't share anything. So I'm sure what happened in this instant is uh, one of these agencies, maybe like the Mountie Police, as the federal law enforcement, got access to this. And then they were at a bar, you know, police hang out with each other. Law enforcement hangs out with each other. And they're like, oh, we got this great thing. And then, you know, basically the freaking uh, dam opened up. And trust me, Cellbrite is getting paid out for access to this technology. So they want to sell it to everybody. So I'm sure they're, they're making money hand over fist. And all these guys are sharing or all these people are sharing information. It doesn't make it right. Uh, they said it was a federal law enforcement, you know, uh, a court that said it was okay. Uh, Lazaro will do the update in just one second. Uh, the TLDR here is if you work in Canada or if you're a citizen of Canada, you would be interested in this. This is squarely a privacy-related issue, less of a cybersecurity issue, but privacy and cyber do overlap if you did not know. All right, really quickly, Lazaro, whose uh, progress we've been tracking is he's been about to get a job. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks, Lazaro, with the super chat. Update, I got my feedback. My interview with the director went well. Congratulations. I'm being moved to the final rounds. Tomorrow panel with three cyber engineers and Friday meeting with the CISO to wrap up everything. Let's go. All right. Hey, Lazaro, nobody asked, but if I could just say the cyber engineer interviews is probably going to be a blend of um, technical acumen and cultural fit. And the deal with the CISO, if I had to guess, the CISO wants to talk to you simply because you're going to report to them and be part of their team, and they just want to get a sniff of you. It, the CISO interview will probably not be high stress, not that you shouldn't prepare and be ready for it, uh, but super excited. It sounds very promising. Let's go. We've got a lot of uh, um, community members crushing it, but uh, Lazaro, we've been paying hyper attention to. Let's keep going. U.S. federal agencies miss incident response deadlines. 
A new report published Monday by the U.S. Government Accountability Office, or GAO, found that just three U.S. federal agencies have reached the advanced level, or Tier 3, for cyber event logging. According to 2021 Executive Order 14028, all 23 U.S. federal agencies were required to reach event logging Tier 3 by August 2023. However, 20 agencies have failed to meet the requirement and 17 have not gone beyond the Tier 0 level. The GAO report said until more progress is made by the agencies, the federal government's ability to fully detect, investigate, and remediate cyber threats will be constrained. The report identified key challenges as lack of staff, technical challenges, and limited cyber threat intel sharing. All right. Uh, Really quickly, uh, I've been asked why is Doom on the TV? My advent of Cyber Day 5 was very retro, very old school. We got into DOS, Windows 3.11. A lot of people were talking about it. I was feeling nostalgic. I was responding to people in comments. So I wanted to throw an old school uh, video game up that people might recognize. All right, let's get into this. U.S. federal agencies missed deadline. Um, Catch me outside. How about that? Get ready for this. Take a sc- I'm joking here, but take a screenshot. Here is my surprise face. This should be no surprise to anyone. It's absolutely unacceptable and absurd. But when this executive order came out, Jack Scott and I did a live stream where we talked about the reality of this. So here's the deal. 2021 comes out and says, hey, you've got to get your logging tighter. You've got to um, integrate your audits and logs into Sims. Uh, You've got to get IR better. Like, think of the NIST cybersecurity framework, the detection part, the response part. Those need to be improved, okay? And it's an executive order. You will do it. A lot of hand, uh, a lot of banging on the desk, okay? Now, we've reached the deadline. Two years later, by the way, two years later, which to me is ample time. A lot of these executive orders say within 90 days, you'll do whatever. 90 days is ridiculous. But two years later, And 20 of the 23 agencies are not compliant. And and, oh, by the way, I think they said 18 of the 20 that aren't compliant are at tier zero, which basically means they did nothing. And they're saying, oh, we don't have the money. We don't have the people. We don't have the resources. Okay. With 90 days to do something, yes, US federal budgets are locked in. You can't really do much. Two years... You had at least one budget cycle, if not two budget cycles, to get this done. Tier zero means horrible, nothing. What are you doing? And, and here, here's the part that really pisses me. Uh, sorry, Kennedy. Here's the part that really grinds my gears, okay? Where is the accountability? Where is the... Where, like... They didn't comply with the executive order. Imagine, if you will, your boss came in in 2021 and said, hey, Justin Gold, I need you to do this. You have two years to do it, and it's important to me. And two years later, you show up and you're like, we did nothing. What else you got for me? There's no freaking repercussions. What is the problem? Like, here's my thing, and I'm going to be straight with you. What is the motivation for the agencies to prioritize doing this if there's no repercussions for not doing it? Yeah, your boss told you to do it, but suck it, suck it. Who cares? We got a new president coming in later. There's no, I'm not in trouble. I don't lose my job. I don't get demoted. I don't lose money. I don't do anything. Why would I comply? Because it's cool. Because, because I want to be a good doobie because I want to get a gold star. There needs to be accountability, man. It just pisses me off because it's like, yes, we do need to improve overall information security. Incident response is huge. Detection is huge. In 2023, you can't put enough protection mechanisms in place. It's not cybersecurity. It's cyber resiliency. And in order to be resilient, you need to continue business operations while you're actively being exploited or actively compromised. How do you know you're compromised? You need to have detection mechanisms in place. And if you're not even, I'm not even talking about EDR. 
and agents reporting in. I'm talking about logging. You don't even have visibility into your freaking environment as to what the hell's going on. You're like literally, all right, you're literally in the captain's, uh, you know, if you've ever been on a boat, there's like the little booth where the captain sits with the glass. You're in that captain's booth and the window to your right, the window to your left, the window behind you are all blacked out. The window in front of you is blacked out, except like a circle like this big, which is looking straight. That's you driving your boat. Does that sound like a good idea? Hell no, because if a freaking something's coming from the right, something's coming up on your rear, you've got people boarding you, Somalia pirates. You can't see crap because you've got this little pinhole looking forward. But don't worry, we're driving the boat forward. We're continuing business operations. We're heading towards those priority goals. You need visibility. That's step one. I'll tell you this for a fact. If you get actively compromised and you call in an incident response um, company like Barricade Cyber, Mandian, I don't care who, the first thing they're going to ask you is, what are you doing for logging? Like That's literally the first question. What are you doing for logging? And if you're like, we're doing nothing, they will immediately deploy logging. It's that important to know what the hell is going on in your environment, that it's step one. 18 of 20 agencies, tier zero. This is this is ridiculous. Way to go, United States. Oh, America, first world. Like, you can't even do the basics. And I get there's budgets and all these other things, but we seem to have enough money to do a lot of different federal projects. You know, I'm just saying... Agencies needed to prioritize this. I suspect that they didn't prioritize it because there was no there was no motivation to the people in charge to want to do this. And if you work at one of these agencies and you feel like I'm uh, uh, misrepresenting you, please chime in and chat and let us know about why, you know, two years later, nothing was done. I would love it. I would love to know. Okay. And I'm not, again, I'm not throwing shade. I know the security architect, the engineer, you know, the, the, the person who's like sitting there playing the two keyboards, like the keyboardist from sticks, who's working their ass off 80 hours a week, trying to just keep the tent up, keep the dam by sticking fingers in the hole and constantly moving. I know you're working your butt off, this is a failure at the leadership level to prioritize this as a priority. Two years? God, man. We'll see what happens. I would love to see what the federal government's response is to this. Is it just like, oh, business as usual? Just annoying. Fashion! All right. And that does it for today's cyber. All right. I'm all hot and frothy. Guys, really quick, if you were here just for the news, looks like some of you peaced out because you had a 9 a.m. meeting. I got it. Um, really quick, tomorrow at the, uh, 4.30 p.m., I get to introduce you guys to Mike Prevett. This guy's in London right now. He's an awesome practitioner. I've had wonderful conversations with him. He's a CISO. He knows his crap, and he runs the return on security cybersecurity newsletter which is phenomenal and it's really one thing i really like about mike that i i can't wait to show you is that he has a really interesting angle at looking at cybersecurity from the financial perspective because guess what cash rules everything around me marcus kyler we don't get to use the cream emote very often but let's use that right now cash rules everything around me and mike Prevet is definitely going to bring some knowledge on that so come join us tomorrow at 4 30 Subscribe to the YouTube Simply Cyber channel. You'll be made aware when this goes live. If you were here just for the news, thank you all so very much. Uh, definitely go check out Advent of Cyber Day 5. Would love to have you guys um, check it out. I'm going to switch over to jawjacking. Be good. Until next time, stay secure. If you want to hang out and jawjack, please do that. I'll be back in a second. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack, and I am your host, Jerry Guy. You may recognize me from such shows as the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing and Simply Cyber Live on Thursday.